there in uh, Mike's testimony too, uh, that it is really uh, what I'm going to talk about. We're going to do a bit of spiritual square bashing today. We're going to go through, uh, uh, try to keep it entertaining and not too long. We're going to look at a, kind of a spiritual drill. And I do believe, and every so often, we need to go back to the basics and ask ourselves, uh, what do we believe? And why do we believe it? And it was interesting that um, both in uh, Michael's testimony, he alluded to that and is going back to this was the moment that I was born again. This was the time when I uh, repented, was baptized, received the Spirit in that process. And in the gifts, God was saying constantly, Remember, remember what you have. Remember you have my spirit. Remember you can give me your troubles. You don't have to make life hard for yourselves. Yes, you have that old nature, but more important than that, infinitely more important, you have my spirit within you, your new nature. And really, um, that's what separates us out. And I think sometimes it gets lost a little as far as other churches are concerned. It gets lost a little in all the static about what is a Christian and all the chatter about um, comparing Christians or one religion with that this religion, one idea with that idea, one philosophy with another philosophy. We're very simple. We're childlike. We, uh, we quit ourselves... Uh, like men, as the Bible says, but uh, we behave also like children uh, before our Father, before the Lord. We're going to look today at why Christians speak in tongues. Why do we speak in tongues? Because there's an awful lot of people who are believers in the Bible. Uh, they believe in, in God. Uh, they believe in, in Jesus, the Son of God, uh, and they believe they're Christians. And they can't get their heads around us because we make this huge thing about tongues. Well, we don't actually. We make a huge thing, as we heard in the testimony and heard in the gifts, we make a huge thing about receiving the Spirit of God. Why do Christians speak in tongues? Because that is what makes them a Christian. Not so much the physical example of tongues, that's a sign, but the fact that we have received of his spirit. We're no longer simply uh, those who, um, in our head, if you like, uh, believe in the Bible, believe in its truth, uh, can even get quite excited about um, the idea of God, but we've gone one further. We speak in tongues. We speak in tongues. So why do Christians speak in tongues? Because they have to speak in tongues if they're going to be Christians. That's the drill. Boy, it's an uncomfortable one. It, it doesn't get us many friends. It may even get us more enemies than friends. But Christ warned us about that. And he said that, you know, the few there be um, that uh, find the straight gate 
in the narrow way and enter into the kingdom. There are not many of us, but guess what? There are always enough. There are always enough. The Lord of the harvest calls more and more to the harvest, and there are always enough. And I think we'll be staggered when the Lord comes back to find out how many people uh, were baptized and spirit-filled. Uh, as John talks about a multitude without number. But in terms of, you know, our global situation on earth at the present today, although we've had the great encouragement of Zoom that we can see how many, you know, saints there are uh, all around the world and part of the Revival Fellowship International, we really are small potatoes. Not only in terms of the world population as a whole, but also in terms of the population of those folks who would regard themselves as Bible-believing uh, Christians. Why do we speak in tongues? Well, if you go to uh, right back to Zephaniah, I won't go through all the scriptures on tongues today, um, otherwise too long. Too long. Let's go to Zephaniah 3. Zephaniah 3 and uh, make your way there. Just before Haggai. Zephaniah 3, verse 8. Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms, to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger, even all my ang fierce anger, for all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord, to serve him with one consent. Those are two last days scriptures. The Lord declares in Zephaniah all those thousands of years ago, he declares the coming of the last days, which would begin um, with Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost after uh, Jesus had ascended to heaven, sit upon the right hand of the Father, and then the disciples ascended in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit as promised was poured out and then the last days began that verse uh, 8 talks about and verse 9 we're right smack in them they've been going for 2,000 years but that's only a couple of days as far as the Lord's concerned a thousand years is a day and a day is a thousand years in his sight but then will I turn to the people of pure language that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. So that I strongly believe, and I know so many um, folks do, is a prophecy of the coming of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. It has a purpose. Out of the sinful body, the sinful nature uh, that we inhabit, the tongue is taken over. And out of the uh, the heart of the believer and out of uh, the voice of the believer comes a pure language, righteous before the Lord, because it is the spirit of the Lord. And if uh, we go to Isaiah, 
chapter 28. Back in the prophets there. Well, he was operating about um, 700 BC. Isaiah 28, 11 to 12. Well, if we go back to 9, so we can see the context of Isaiah 28, we go verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, whereas ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. So, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Again, the sign, a wonder, a promise, a prophecy. Uh, using the future tense there, will he speak to this people? He says that in the context of total chaos, total rebellion against the Lord. The previous verses are all about Israel at yet another low point in its relationship with God. And right in the middle, he says, okay, there's going to come a day when I'm going to provide a rest and a refreshing. And you're going to know because you'll be speaking in tongues. And in fact, it won't be you speaking in tongues. It will be me speaking through you. I'm not going to give up on you. Tongues is, is a sign that the Lord has not given up on us and is true to his promise from thousands of years ago. Constant is yea and amen. It's so fashionable now uh, to either explain away those scriptures <coughs> or to say that um, if there was tongues, um, it completely died out. Or some groups say, oh, no, tongues is just gobbledygook or tongues is just mass hysteria. And you see tongues all over the world. No, it's there as a clear prophecy that tongues is a sign that the Lord has not given up on his people and is going to transform them through his spirit uh, and not theirs. And the idea that, that gathered pace, unfortunately, quite early on in the history of the church, that tongues was not necessary, um, Tongues is a sign of the Holy Spirit was somehow, um, you could do it, but there were other ways. Uh, the bishop, for example, or the archbishop, uh, could put his hand on you and you could have the Holy Spirit. You didn't have to do this tongues thing. But in the early church, speaking in tongues as a sign that you had received the Spirit of God as a free gift was an absolute given. It was not open to debate. It was not challenged. Uh, the early church fathers, yep, that's what, that's what we do. That, that, that's salvation. We repent. We get baptized by full immersion. We receive the Holy Spirit with a speaking in tongues. We, we've got all the witnesses. We've got all the examples. And, uh, it was a given. By the time of Augustine, uh, I think Augustine of Hippo, North Africa, um, several hundred years later. He was writing it within the Catholic system. And he was writing saying, well, whatever we do now to receive the Holy Spirit, it is certain 
that in the early church, the sign that you had received the Holy Spirit was that you spoke in tongues. So even he was acknowledging it. And it's been a roller coaster since then. Uh, and um, deep, dark times where the Holy Spirit never seems to be mentioned, or if it's mentioned it's in terms of speaking in tongues, it's almost mentioned in code. And then revival springs up periodically through the observation of history. Uh, and again, it's pretty clear, for example, in the Middle Ages, that the Lollards were part of this huge revival to reform the church uh, in the 14th century in England and subsequently spread across Europe. Uh, it's pretty clear that they spoke in tongues. Every revival in the history of church is accompanied by an outpouring uh, of the Holy Spirit. That is how it seems. History gets heavily edited. Uh, it, it's, it's not our fail-safe reassuring ourselves but within the history that man writes man edits mainstream history you can still see those times uh, right up to um you know the age of the church of philadelphia in the 18th century uh, with the wesley brothers the really clear little signs there that they were spirit filled when they set out to reform the church the great welsh revival now there are clearly signs of people speaking in tongues as they receive the holy spirit and declaring it. The Isusa Street revival, uh, about the same time on the west coast of America, same thing, they knew exactly what they had. And they drew it from the scriptures and they drew it from their own experience. The revival in Scandinavia, the revival in northeast England, same thing. And they never said that it was anything new. They never said this was a, a new revelation or a new idea. They always reached back to the initial experiences declared in the Bible. And that's what makes us absolutely radical and sidelined and fringe and almost part of the crazy gang um, in global Christianity, because we declare exactly the same thing. And I think it's brilliant that we're called revival centers initially as we heard and then revival fellowship because we are part of that uh, let's see what the bible says let's see what we know let's see what we hear without the holy spirit you're wasting your time if you haven't got the holy spirit you can declare the lord to your heart's content you need to have his spirit as it says in romans 8 if you don't have his, his spirit, you are none of his. But if you have his spirit, you're sons and daughters of the living God. How do you know you've got his spirit? Well, it's not mental gymnastics. You're speaking tongues. Mark 16. Yeah, Mark 16. This is square bashing for you. We know it, and we know it, and praise the Lord for that. Mark 16, uh, verse 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new 
tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Speaking in tongues is a wonder. It's a sign. Uh, we're not saved because we speak in tongues. We are saved because we have received the Spirit of God and got baptized, as it says there, with the uh, proviso that you must repent. And could it be, when I read those scriptures, which I had read round for so many years and never taken any notice of, and sometimes even seen them discredited, when I saw those scriptures, I thought, that's child's play. That's so simple. That's so clear. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall speak with new tongues. Believers shall speak with new tongues. And the other promises too. Do you know why it's child's play? Because it's got to be. Because the Lord said, unless you turn and be converted and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to embrace the simplicity of the wonder of God working with his people. God is just not some superman. God is in many ways completely and utterly different to us. Utterly. Because he is the creator and we are the created. He is the potter and we are the pot. And the only way he can get a secure relationship with us now, after Eden, is to pour his spirit into us. Back in Genesis 1, he made us uh, in his image with the ability to think, uh, to reflect, to reason, to know the difference between right and wrong. And the ability, as we've said in earlier talks, to lift up and be aware of a creator, to lift up our eyes and our minds, and also to know deep down uh, that the things uh, that are made are made of things that do not appear. Deep, deep thoughts he placed within man to make him in his image, not as equal, but someone he could have a relationship with. Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve and the serpent got together, kicked that one all over. So the Lord comes back with a better plan. The serpent thought he had won. The Lord said, Satan, all you've done is made it better. I'm going to make it better beyond imagining. I'm going to pour my spirit into these folks. They're going to be higher than the angels. The angels are my ministering spirits. These people are going to be my sons and daughters. And how will they know? Because they will speak in a language that they never learned before. It's a wonder of wonders. They'll spontaneously burst into the language as I take over their hearts, their souls, their minds. Tongues, glossi in the Greek. And despite people's efforts to wriggle around um, the word glossi, which is used in Mark 16, the word glossi, which is used in Acts 2, the word glossi, which is used in Acts 10, 11, the word glossi, which is used in uh, Acts 19, it means language. 
It means tongue. In fact, uh, way back in Zephaniah, the word used in the Hebrew simply means a tongue, a pure language, a tongue. And it's, uh, it was very fashionable for many years within the church to say that um, there's no speaking in tongues these days. Uh, the tongues died out. Uh, it was no longer necessary and it died out. And you don't hear tongues anymore. And anyone who uh, speaks in tongues is completely deluded and making it up. That was quite the fashion then. Uh, that fashion has shifted. That fashion has shifted. It became no longer tenable, um, although I guess some churches cling to it, uh, when it was clear that a lot of people spoke in tongues. And it was clear even when they did, you know, the old classic university tests and med schools went in and had a look. And, and even I think the famous one is at Thomas's Hospital in London, uh, looked at what they called glossolalia, um, tongues of ecstasy or speaking in tongues. It was clear when they did analysis that this is not new, normal speech center brain operation. In fact, the speech center, when you speak in tongues, your speech center in your brain is shut down. They've been able to show you that. It's another area of the brain which is responding. They've been able also to show that the tongue, uh, in some tongues that they recorded, is moving far too fast for a normal brain signal uh, to be operating that tongue. The signal just doesn't uh, move at that rapidity. And yet when they slow the tongue down, out comes this pure, pure language. And uh, they've been able to identify, even when they've taken meetings, that the interpretations in the meetings are either word for word or thematic, picking up the theme and the idea. And they've been able to identify the languages. Some of them, they say, very ancient Semitic languages, um, virtually hardly ever spoken now but they are aware of them. And even the ones they can't identify, they say that they have all the features of languages. I have to hand you over to the linguistics for that. They have all the features of languages, and the languages are often so intricate and so beautiful, and yet people are spontaneously doing it without learning, without studying, without having any background or even knowledge of what they're saying. It's a sign, it's a wonder. You have to be a child to accept that. You have to be like a child to accept it. As we heard in the gifts, you have to humble yourself. You cannot compare yourself with the power and wisdom and creative ability of God. You cannot lift your understanding to his. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts, and his ways than our ways. Called a miracle, called a sign. Now, we won't go to all of them, but if we look at Acts 2, which is, is the beginning of, of, of the church, famous, isn't it? Well, it's famous for us. Um, I don't think it gets quoted that much in many churches. It does get quoted. We're not alone. We are not alone. Um, but we, we don't go hunting 
to find people who already know what we know. We go hunting to find people who don't know what we know. That's what the gospel's about. Not tracking down the people who already have been baptized, repented, baptized, received the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. We're, funnily enough, we're not actually interested in them. We're interested in the people who don't know. That's our job. And uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, all with one accord in one place, because that was the promise, they were obedient to it, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All filled. Key word. There's no other way you can receive the Holy Spirit. You know, God's in charge on this one. You want to receive the Holy Spirit because you prayed for it and you had the sinner's prayer or someone, a bishop, put his hands on you and said, my son, you have the Holy Spirit. No, <laughs> they were all filled this way. There's your template. People say, well, why can't you see fire on top of our heads? It says, like as a fire. And now I believe it links in. Okay, there may have been a dramatic demonstration for the first ever event. I don't know. But I believe it links in with John the Baptist, the one who uh, baptized you. One is coming. I'm not uh, worthy to loosen the latchet on his sandal, and he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost, refining fire, burning up all that uh, old man, old sin. The old man is dead that hangs about our shoulders, but he keeps <laughs> whispering in our ear, but he's dead. And it is a fire sweeps through your body when you receive the Holy Spirit. Fire to refine silver, a fire to refine gold. Holy Spirit fire. So there's the reference to fire, like as of fire. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. And if you still haven't got it, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Child's play. To those who are like children. When I was uh, a little boy, people find that hard to imagine. Um, but mentally, I am still. My mum was quite right. Uh, I never got beyond the age of 10 years as a, a little lad. But when I was a little lad, I think I was so happy in many ways. Why was I happy? Because I accepted things I could not understand, but I could observe. I could not understand rainbows. You know, we had that great um, presentation from Edouard uh, yesterday on the rainbow. Well, as a little lad, I could, I could see rainbows, but I sure couldn't understand them. And I kept chasing across fields to find the end, uh, end of a rainbow. And my mates and I would get on our bikes and pedal fast down the road to find the end of the rainbow because we were told there was a pot of gold there. Well, I don't think we ever believed there was a pot of gold there, but we believed you must be able to get to the end of the rainbow. Now, I couldn't understand rainbows or what they're all about, but I believed in them. Absolutely. Why did I believe in them? Because I could see them for myself. 
Why do I believe it, the Holy Spirit has poured into me and I have spoken in tongues? Because I hear myself speak. I know that feeling from that day one when I was, I received the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget that day, nor will any of us who have received the Holy Spirit. And even before I got baptized, I'd heard speaking in tongues in meetings. And I've heard it declared. Same with a rainbow. I didn't understand the thing. I still don't understand the mechanics of how the Lord makes us speak in a language that we don't understand. And every language seems to be unique. And some languages are languages that other folks can understand. The, the unbeliever, as the Bible says, he comes in and hears the tongues and is convicted. I don't understand that this unique quality that the Lord has his eye on every one of us. Numbers the hairs on our head. But I hear speaking in tongues and I hear myself speaking in tongues. Like as a little kid in the field, I couldn't understand a rainbow, but I could see one. Therefore the rainbow exists. I couldn't understand how an iron boat floats when I could chuck a nail made out of iron in the water and it wouldn't float. I could put um, anything made out of metal in, in the water or cement or something and it would sink. And a big battleship comes into port in Auckland Harbour and the thing's floating. But I tell you what, I was thinking about that the other day. I went to, to university, I went to school and we had to do specific gravity and density and the laws of displacement and Archimedes and Eureka and all that stuff. Well, I still don't know how that works. I mean, how does that giant battleship, which is thousands of tons of steel, float? Well, it doesn't matter. I can look at it and say, there it is. That baby is floating. It works. Same with tongues. There it is. Someone has burst into tongues. Don't tell me it died out. Don't tell me it's gobbledygook. Can you see the light in their eyes? Can you now see the testimonies flowing from them? You stick around for a while. You'll see them laying hands on the sick and praying for them and recovering the other signs. You'll see their lives transformed. You'll see addictions disappear. You'll see people wonder at the things that they can see and find and say in the Bible. See it, hear it, scarcely understand it. Could be like a child looking at a rainbow or looking at an, an iron ship and saying, well, I can't work that one out, but I know it is for sure, no doubt, I believe. Same in Acts chapter 2. They were had their socks knocked off with all the people standing around, and I guess even the people praying and bursting into tongues. What is this? We hear every man in his own language. The glory and the works of the Lord, etc., etc., I paraphrase. But they didn't deny it, except some tried to find another reason. Oh, they must be drunk. They weren't listening, either to themselves or what was going around. But the others, after Peter stands up and explains it, and they listen, like children, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter comes in. Okay, you've got, you've got it. You're like a little child. You're a huge crowd, but you're a crowd of kids. Repent and be baptized. Peter 37, 
38, then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We know. We know, not because we understand fully. It is a mystery. It is a glass darkly. But we know because we see it and hear. And if we go to uh, Acts uh, 10, watch that old clock. Acts 10, another famous one where Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, in verse 45, uh, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, the Jews, which believed, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues, for they heard them speak with tongues, for they heard them speak with tongues, and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he understood, as his colleagues did, immediately the process. The thing that had fallen into place, which they least expected, that Gentiles, as Isaiah had prophesied, Gentiles could now receive the Holy Spirit. Just as them. And how did they make this amazing mental jump? across all their culture, across all their conditioning, across all what they'd been previously taught. Well, they heard them speak with tongues. Charles Clay. No argument. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. It doesn't go away just because people think it should go away. It doesn't get out of date because people... I think it should be out of date. The Lord is, is, you know, the word of the Lord doesn't change, simply as that. God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent, as it says. Uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I remember trying to, ex I got into a bit of an argument with a, um, uh, uh, most high reverend or right reverend um, who uh, was ringing me up to explain why we had to leave the camp, our campsite at Quinter uh, near Shrewsbury. And um, not Shrewsbury, is it? It's, it's near Shrewsbury, Oswestry. Street. And um, he knew his scriptures. Oh boy, he knew his scriptures and he, a lot of the, the scriptures that I could identify about speaking in tongues, he, he knew them and he accepted that that's what was happening. That those people had received the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues. He said, I've got no argument. That's exactly what was happening. That's how they received the Holy Spirit. And he said, in those days, he says, it's all stopped. I said, who said? I said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. And the word of God and the promises of God change not. And he said, oh, I just can't agree. The, the, the pride, I guess. I mean, he, he wasn't being aggressive. He just, he wouldn't acknowledge the child's play. He wouldn't acknowledge, you've got to humble yourself, mate. There it is in the book. It's happening. 
these people, it's happening to them. Remember Wendy once, we're outreaching in Harrow, and this we stopped this guy, we were talking to him about salvation, and he said, um, oh, tongues died out a long time ago. And Wendy just said straight away, but I speak in tongues, you calling me a liar? Child's play. Simple. We know what we've got, not just because of the tongues, but because of the transformation inside us. Self-confidence, don't let anyone rob you of that, no matter how slick, no matter how clever, no matter how academic. God's not interested in the slick, the clever, and the academic. He's interested in the childlike, the simple, and the humble. Peter goes to Jerusalem, and he must have had a very skeptical audience when he gets the council together in Jerusalem to tell them what had happened. This is monumental that Gentiles can be saved. And he says in chapter 11, uh, verse 14, who shall tell thee words whereby, so Peter's recounting the whole incident to the church council, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. See that phrase? In verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. He regards Acts chapter 2, verse 1, as the beginning. And the takeoff ramp is Acts chapter 1. That's the beginning for Peter. He's moved on from when his Lord walked, walked the earth and, and sorted him out in so many ways. This is the beginning of the church. As Peter's like, this is where, you know, the Holy Spirit's poured out. This is the beginning of, of the last days. That's what it's the beginning of. It's not the beginning of the Gospels. It's not the beginning of um, the Word of God. It's not the beginning of the promises of God. It's the beginning of the church beginning of the last days, with the signal sign of speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit is poured out. No Holy Spirit poured out, no church. No church that the Lord can recognize. His church is a well-watered garden, watered by what? The Spirit of God. You can find it in the Song of Songs, uh, you can find it in Jeremiah, you can find it in Isaiah. The church is a well-watered garden, watered by the Spirit of God. And why do, how do we know? Well, we can know by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit through speaking in tongues. We can know by the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, etc. We can know by the gifts of the Spirit. When the meeting comes together, People are gathered. What do you hear? You hear tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. What comes first? Tongues. The signal thing that you heard yourself speak when you became uh, a complete reborn being. Christianus, a Christian, anointed one. If, um, and he says in verse 17, uh, 
Peter, for then as much, for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. That was what made them decide that the Gentiles were part of this operation. They'd actually missed it in the prophets, that Isaiah had prophesied it. What made them see was when suddenly the Gentiles had exactly the same experience as them. And their humility allowed them to say, no argument, game over, that's it. My children, they're bound for the kingdom of heaven. These people who we thought were outcasts, dogs, uh, antichrists, are actually now our brothers and sisters by the power of God, transforming power of God. Nearly there, folks. We go to um, wow, uh, X nineteen again. Some people say, "Oh, you know, these things." You, you you go into the Bible and you pick out a little verse and you, you you inflate it and you and you draw on it and draw on it and it, you know it's just a verse. Look, there's so many verses about um, salvation. Well, two or three witnesses. That's what the Lord says. How many witnesses do you want? You've got Zephaniah and Isaiah prophesying, if you like, and then Joel and others. And then you've got, um, well, we haven't even gone to John 3, where Christ talks about, you know, the voice, uh, the phonos, the sound of the Holy Spirit, uh, blowing like a breeze when people who are, are born again. You got Acts 2, you got Mark 16, you got Acts 10, Acts 11, Acts 90. Folks, what do you want? Uh, it's not written there for next. It's not written there so you can rub it out or ignore it. Same, I know it's an old analogy that when you, you, you drive to Europe, you're crossing the ferry and you, and I'm a nervous driver coming out. Well, I drive on the left, I drive on the left, now I've got to drive on the other side. You know, the sweat pouring from your brow. And they give you lots of signs, you know. Drive on the right. Drive on the right. And you come to the first roundabout. This is the way you go. And for a couple of miles, you're being told, drive on the right. And after that, they don't bother to tell you. Should have got it by now. Same in the Bible. They don't want to be telling you every verse about salvation. They don't want to be telling you every time. And they receive the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. They give you some very, very clear signals. That's what we've, you know, a lot of us responded to. What we found in the Bible. And others of us responded to what we saw in others. And others of us responded to simply by glorifying God in their hearts. Now, a good mate of mine who was a surfing glorified God in his heart one night. There wasn't a trace of Christian in him. And he glorified the Lord, walking along the beach, looking up at the stars at night in New Zealand, glorified God in his heart, bang, burst into tongues. That's not manufactured. He wasn't looking for that. God was looking for him. That's the template. That's why Christians speak in tongues. 
because God has come looking for individuals one at a time through the straight gate, one at a time on the narrow way. It's designed that way. He comes looking for individuals, not nations, to fill those individuals with his spirit. By his word, by his truth, by his gospel preached by his people, his sheep, and sometimes by a straight one-to-one, someone crying out, Lord, show me, Lord, show me. Listening to a testimony today on the uh, pastors and leaders um, uh, chat, uh, Lebanese lady. Um, she said in a testimony, she would just cry out to the Lord, Lord, show me, Lord, show me. She didn't know anything. She just wanted the Lord, and she just burst into tongues. She said, I knew straight away, it's the God of the Bible. Tongues is, man, we are not the tongues church. We are not. We're the church. We're the church. Never be shifted off that base. We're God's church. And, man, I've got to leave. I've got to finish now. So, the scriptures make tongues as clear as crystal. The observation of a child make tongues as clear as crystal. The observations of history even make tongues clear. And I believe that that's um, one of the reasons that the people aren't flocking into our fellowship. As the Lord promised it that way. Death loves a crowd. It's only few who listen and few who hear. And I will be worried if people start flocking in and staying. For the Lord is not a numbers game. It's for the ones he knew before they were born that he calls them out and they follow and they come and he fills them with his spirit and he gives them a sign and they're obedient to the gospel of repentance and baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit and walk on to eternal life forever with the Lord in peace and glory and joy. That's why Christians speak in tongues. 